You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so glad you could be with me because I got a superstar guest with me tonight. Dr. Joe Vitale is with me, and we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff that you are going to love. This is a really special broadcast because I've got to tell you, I just love Dr. Joe Vitale. He is so down to earth. He is just there. You could feel the goodness in him. He's just wonderful in every single way. He's not arrogant like you would think he would be because he's a superstar, but he's down to earth. And all you can feel from him is absolute love and appreciation. And boy, this guy walks his talk. I know, I know you're going to love this show. So stay tuned because hmm, the best is yet to be. We'll be right back after these words. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net that's law of attraction magazine.net and we are back i'm so excited to be talking to dr joe vitale before i bring him out i just want to remind people that hey you know what i'm a hypnotherapist if you've got an issue surrounding limiting beliefs or you need to shift your way of thinking then contact me. I would be happy to help you to release even your ancestors' limiting beliefs that keep you stuck, especially around money. And don't forget to go to loaradionetwork.com. Listen to all the shows on Law of Attraction Radio Network, but also click on the free money link at the top of the menu and get your free money attraction mp3 download it to your computer and then put it on your phone to listen to and whenever you start feeling lack or you start feeling nervous about money well you have an easy solution because i can guarantee you this works we get you out of the state of lack in order to raise your vibration up so that you can attract that. And sometimes it's immediate. 
So go there and get that. That's my gift to you. I want you to be prosperous. I want you to be abundant because this is why you're listening because you are a magnificent creator. So with that, I want to invite my friend, Dr. Joe Vitale. Well, welcome, Dr. Joe Vitale, back to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. It's always so great to see you. Thank you. I'm flattered to have a return visit, visit here. So thanks for inviting me again. Oh, I love it. And you're also a return visitor. You're going to be our cover boy for <laughs> July. <laughs> well, there's bragging rights for you. I'm the cover boy. I don't, I don't think I've ever used that phrase before. Well, now, you, now you can. You're not the cover guy. You're the cover boy. We're, All right. We're I'm, feeling, I'm feeling younger by the minute. Cover boy. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, going to have some fun today, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things. And last time you were on, you really talked about your music. So let's start mm-hmm. off with that. What have you done since we last talked? You've got oh, a new album out. Oh, that's a dangerous question to ask me. <laughs> I have 15 albums out. I have six singer-songwriter albums. The most recent one is called The Great Something. I studied with Melissa Etheridge, the uh, rock and roll legend, who I've been a fan of for 20 years. I yeah. dedicated this to her. I wrote a song on it called Melissa Said, which is a song of dedication to her. And I actually got to see her after the album came out, and she loves the album. She actually said from stage in front of 5,000 people, I love you, Joe. So a cover boy and Melissa Etheridge saying she loves me. I mean, I'm I'm good. Yeah, and and I have a feeling you might be meeting Bruce Willis soon, too. (laughs) You've heard, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I've, I've actually become an actor. I had a small role in an independent movie. And I tasted it and loved it. And they, you know, they said I had a knack for it. So that went right to my head. Next thing I knew, I was thinking, well, when's Bruce Willis got a call? I know they're filming another Die Hard. They need somebody else with him in there. I'll be the villain. I'll be his co-host. I'll do whatever he wants. So I'm waiting for Bruce Willis to call next. Yeah, but I, I can't envision you as a villain. I'm sorry. It just doesn't fit your personality at all. <laughs> well, I'll be a cover boy in, in Die Hard 16, whatever that okay. sequel is, yes. No, that was a great article because we just had that in uh, the magazine last month. All right. And it was um, – everybody really enjoyed it. I mean, really, you're talking about raising up your vibration to match – that who you want to meet. Well, there actually, there's, there's a whole lot to it, but it's a way of programming your brain to attract more of what you want. And I was using celebrities, whether it's Bruce Willis or Melissa Etheridge or whoever, whoever you're in love with, whoever you go gaga over. When you start to dissect why that's happening in your brain, there, it's happening because of emotion. You have strong love for that person. It's happening because of the visual. You've been seeing them on stage. You've been seeing them in movies. You've been seeing them on television. And it happens because of repetition. You keep seeing them over and over and over again. And I was pointing out in that article that those three steps are how we manifest anything. Uh, that if we, put, we, we create a visual of what we want, 
And that could be the, the soulmate, that can be the car, the house, spiritual enlightenment, whatever. We need the visual to program the, the unconscious mind, the reticular activating system, if you want to be specific. And then we need emotion. You can't create without emotion. But most people focus on what they hate or what they fear. And I'm saying, and you're saying, we want to focus on what we love. What are we passionate about? What do we want to attract into our lives? What would we welcome into our lives? What would make us just zinging happy? And then we want to look at that, that graphic with emotion several times a day because that's the repetition. And if we do that repetition, we look at the emotion, we look at the visual over and over again, then we have that experience of, the, of seeing a celebrity. The bells go off in our brain. Our brain goes, oh, they want this. And the brain goes about manufacturing it. So I was pointing out through Bruce Willis, Melissa Etheridge, or anybody else that we happen to love that's out there on the big screen and big stage, that we can use those same three principles to attract what we want at an accelerated rate. That is brilliant. Um, and it makes so much sense. It's easier to understand the way that you put it. So it's, it's really, really powerful. Thank you. And in today's world, you know, there's a lot of people who, um, I mean, it's just happening. We just had the North Korea thing, and, and which I think, oh, my gosh, we have a chance. We have a chance here. One chance. Mm. And, and so many people are, are just like poo-pooing it. But it's mm. like, wait, wait, wait. Aren't we doing ourselves a disservice if we don't? Get in line with peace and love and, and respect. I mean, aren't we just doing that back to us and putting us in a bad place? Well, absolutely. We have to pay attention to where our energy is going, uh, individually and collectively. Individually, you know, we have our individual choice. We can focus on whatever we want. I want to focus on love. I did focus on fear. I know what it's like to focus on fear or on hate or on doubt or on worry. That's not getting me where I want to go. That's not getting me health. It's not getting me happiness. But more importantly, when I'm in that mindset, I attract other people around me in that same mindset. And then we end up as this collective that is attracting all the very things we're complaining about. Exactly. So, and this is where you're going with this, and this is where I'm going, is that we want to pivot. We are the awakened ones, or at least the awakening ones, and what we want to do is focus on what we prefer. And so I always tell people, turn off the mainstream news. It's called programming for a reason. It's programming you for lack, limitation. It knows your buttons. It's going to find something to make you afraid. And you're going to listen to it more because you're afraid and think it's going to give you a solution. It's not. It's going to get you shaking in your boots. You're going to keep coming from worry, doubt, fear, hate, all of those emotions you don't even want. And what we have to do is click, turn that off. Turn on what you're doing and shows like this and magazines like this and feed our brains the more positive. Then from that experience, we can live individually from that thing that's going to attract more of the good in our lives. And then collectively, we start attracting people in the small pockets of groups that believe the same thing. The more we do that, the more we actually transform the planet. Too many people are actually doing the doom and gloom. Yeah. It's a choice. I actually say life is an optical illusion. You can look out there and you can see the negative. You can look out there and you can see the positive. Both actually exist as possibilities. 
but it's up to you to go, which optical illusion do I prefer? I prefer the happy one, yeah. the healthy one, the prosperous one. one. I live in the other one. That's a version of hell. Yeah. I want to be over here in the version of heaven, and I want to tell everybody else, come on over here. Yes. <laughs> clear. You're absolutely right, and, and it's just so funny. I hear some celebrities saying, I wish we would have just terrible prosperity because that's the way that we can get rid of it. I'm going, well, hold on, blank that one out because they're just projecting that onto themselves. Well, they're all coming from their own view of the world. Unfortunately, we give them a mouthpiece because, you know, they're a celebrity. We, we think they know something we don't. They may know how to act. They may know how to sing, but that doesn't mean that they know the ins and outs of life. It doesn't mean that they know where the planet's going. It doesn't mean that they're spiritually awakened. So we, again, we want to pay attention to everything we're allowing into our brain. And whether that is a celebrity, whether that's a book we're reading or a movie we're watching, we need to have that internal discernment to understand that we're being programmed by everything we choose to do. But most of the time, it's unconscious because we're not thinking about it. We just turn it on, and there's a famous celebrity saying, whatever the phrase you just said, terrible prosperity. What an odd, weird phrase. And for everybody, because that's it, the only way we're going <laughs> to... It, right. <laughs> it, it jarred me to even hear this. Yeah. You know, I, I like benevolent prosperity and, the, and benevolence. I want those better words, yes. which you feel better to say them. You know, I feel different. Don't you feel differently in your body? If you say terrible or hate or any of the no oriented words, your energy drops, you feel more constricted. You don't feel like creating. You don't feel optimistic. But if you go with the happy words and the positive words and the love based words, your heart opens, your mind opens, you see opportunities, you're more willing to take action. To me, that's the smarter approach. I come from this smarter walk through life. And, and, you're you're coming from the place where you know that you're creating your future and a lot of these people still don't realize it, and that's what you're saying the awakening so with that i kind of want to lead into the thing that you touch on hopoponono i know i didn't say that right but it's close <laughs> it's very close it's close enough to know for me to know what you're talking about <laughs> I think the world does too, but there's just, you know. I yeah. Know. Well, you're talking about Ho'oponopono, and the world has been catching up to Ho'oponopono. Uh, up until about 12 years ago, not that many people knew about it because it was more underground, it was more secretive, and it was a Hawaiian way of healing that was pretty much kept close to their vest. Uh -huh. But I had heard, as you know, this amazing story about a therapist who helped heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals, not by working on them, but by working on himself. And when I first heard it, I thought, oh, this has to be an urban legend. I know magic and miracles. I know amazing things. I know amazing techniques. But for him to work on himself and to heal criminals who were, they were killers. They were rapists. They were violent. They were being shackled and sedated, and doctors were quitting the hospital because it was so, so hellish for anybody to be there. And yet this unusual therapist went there and did some weird technique. So I heard about it and pretty much dismissed it for a year. I heard about it again. I went looking for the therapist because I thought, if this is at all true, somebody has to tell the world. 
So I met the therapist, Dr. E. Haleakula Hulan is his name. I did a seminar with him. Then we became fast friends. We did several seminars together. We wrote the now very famous book called Zero Limits. We wrote that together. I followed up 10 years later with another book called At Zero. And At Zero is the follow-up to the first one. And basically, just to simplify all of this, it's a true story. And what he did is the most mind-stretching quantum leap in understanding responsibility and healing that I ever came across. And I'm so fortunate that I got to be the author to tell the story and still tell the story today. So basically, he said he was working on himself. He understood that you create your own reality. Now, we hear that statement all the time. But in his view, if you create your own reality and he's in a hospital with a, with a prisoner who had killed somebody, on some level, he helped create that person. He didn't draw a line and say, oh, I created my own reality, but you created yours. No, he looked inside and he said, I created all of my reality. If that's in my reality, I created it too. This is mind-blowing because this is that leap in taking responsibility that most people never even comprehend. Our minds don't go there because it's so easy for us to say, I know what I did, but it's your fault. You did that. Yeah. Not in Ho'oponopono. In Ho'oponopono, you take responsibility for all of it. So whatever you see, whatever the life experience is, you've got to look inside of yourself to remedy it. In his case, he used Ho'oponopono. The basic four phrases, and this is so simple, it's almost you know, ridiculously easy. He's saying these phrases, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. That's it. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. You can say them in any order. You typically don't say them out loud. You're saying them inside yourself to your connection to, well, what I call on my album, The Great Something. The great something is referring to the higher power, to the universe, to God, to the divine. When I was with Melissa Etheridge and she heard me call it the great something, she said, I like that. Well, if Melissa Etheridge likes a title, it's, it becomes your next album. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying the four phrases inside yourself. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. But you're saying them to the great something as a kind of petition, as a kind of prayer. You're in essence saying, I'm sorry for whatever beliefs in me or my ancestors created this situation. Please forgive me for being unconscious. Please forgive my ancestors if they had a role in this. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for clearing these beliefs. Thank you, thank you for clearing my heritage that downloaded all of this information to me. I love you for this healing. I love you for my life. I love you, period. That's kind of the longer version of what you're saying. But as Dr. Who Len was in these offices and he'd look at their charts and he'd feel what he's feeling, he's working to clear his feelings. He's not working to clear the other person. Isn't that he's working to clear what's in him that's in the way of peace. And as he clears himself, this is the miracle. Those other people got better. This is what's, oh, every time I tell this story, I want to cry because this is the doorway to our healing and our salvation. It's an inner door. And there's four statements that we use to knock on that door. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And we open that door. We're reconnecting to the great something and basically saying, clean up me. 
this even goes back to what you were talking about, the outer world and how everybody is looking out there and saying, you know, we, there's so many people to blame. Everybody from the president to the terrorists to the environment exactly. to climate change. But in Ho'oponopono, you don't blame anybody. You go, oh, there's some things out there bothering me. Where is it bothering me? It's always bothering you inside you. That's where you feel it. Dr. Hulen used to say, have you ever noticed that whenever you have a problem, you are there? Yeah. You are there. <laughs> You're, You're the common element. Yeah. It's not about cleaning up the other person or healing them or anybody else. It's about cleaning up your perception. When you clean your perception with these four phrases, lo and behold, what you were perceiving somehow shifts somehow magically morphs into a more peaceful, sometimes resolving itself situation, which is what happened at that mental institution for the criminally insane in Hawaii. Those patients got better. In a few months, they were being released. They were no longer being shackled or sedated. Within a year, most of them were released. After four years, that ward was closed. And all of this I tell in the book, Zero Limits, and the follow-up book at Zero. And so I still, I do Ho'oponopono, now it's automatic. I'm doing it even as I talk to you. The background voice in my head is saying, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. But even when I hear people first starting it, I have heard of the most miraculous things. People use it on their relationships, on their pets, on their finances, literally anything, anything that is bothering them. And instead of saying it's them or it's over here, they take it all within and say, I've got an issue with my neighbor, my boss, with finances, with health, whatever. But they don't blame anybody. They take it in and say, great something. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I mean, this is the really condensed version of it, but this is it. So, if we got a group together and focused, uh, particularly those who are wishing harm or wishing that something didn't turn out for the betterment of all, then if we take that responsibility on us and because we're creating that, just like I said, even though I don't know that celebrity personally, I created that. So that's when I need to say, I'm sorry, I love you. Please forgive me. And the last one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I need to say that when I start feeling, ooh. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, the way I, I try to describe it for people is whenever you're feeling anything other than at peace, if you are feeling, you're going to call it different things. You're going to feel like I'm aggravated or I'm frustrated or I'm mad or I'm embarrassed or I'm, you'll think of some phrase, you're going to use some word that is going to be a version of unhappy. Right. So whenever you are feeling like out of sorts, not at peace, uh, not in bliss, not just serene, whenever you're not in that feeling of here's the miracle and I'm enjoying the miracle, when you're out of that, that's when you want to remember, oh, yeah, I got those four phrases. What's bothering me right now? And it could be some celebrity said something that offended you. It could be that a politician said something. It could be somebody at work offended you or somebody else, and you felt it. That feeling, whatever is going on, it all goes back to in you. 
inside you. Whenever you feel this off feeling, it's in you. And that's what you want to clear. It's not about clearing the president or a politician or a celebrity or a neighbor or an employee or an employer. It's not about them. They were the trigger. It's about you. But in many ways, in Ho'oponopono, it's a little bit like Buddha saying, everything out there is an illusion. Or Carl Jung saying that everything out there is a mirror. Or a hologram. All it is is, yeah, it's just giant alien sci-fi Star Trek hologram from who knows where. <laughs> but the secret way to heal yourself is not through them, it's through you. I love that. I love that. So e- you can <clears throat> even use it when you have feelings of fear surrounding money, there's Absolutely. a lack of money. So that it, when you start feeling that fear, that's when you use it and say those words. Who are you yeah. directing it to when it's something like money? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in all these cases, we're creating, we are directing it to our understanding of the great something. And I know I'm using that phrase, the great something. And for somebody else, they're going to say God. Yeah. For somebody else, they're going to say the universe. They're going to say Gaia. They're going to say a higher power. Right. I think we all have an understanding, and, and we need to have this understanding from a spiritual standpoint, is that there is something greater than us that we are a part of. We are of it, and we are a part of it, and we can communicate with it. And Ho'oponopono in these four phrases is one way to do that. So I think it's important to understand that we are powerful beings. We're unlimited beings, but we're not here entirely alone. There is this life force that has so many different names, even what did Deepak Chopra call it, the field of a unlimited possibilities, right. you know, it's, it's that. That's what I'm referring to. This field of unlimited possibilities is alive and has intelligence and can help us if we request it. So whether it is a money issue or a relationship issue or a health issue, all of those issues aren't out there. They're in here mm-hmm. or up in here, depending on where you want to point, but they're in our body, mind, being. And so what we're saying is, great something or universe or the field of all possibilities. I got an issue with money. I'm really nervous about money. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know where all these beliefs came from and I want to remove them. So please forgive me for having these beliefs. Uh, I'm sorry for wherever they came from. I've been unconscious to my beliefs. Thank you for removing those limiting beliefs. I love you for returning me to a place of unlimited prosperity and abundance. As simple as that. Thank you. But you repeat it. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It was your own meditation. Again, you're not saying it out loud and you're not saying it to another person. You don't go to your boss and say it what you're, or your customers and say it. You're saying it inside yourself to the great something. The great something. So if you have a bigger plan in mind that you want to see a peaceful world, then you're just going to be saying that to the world. Well, it all, that energy of all that is, that's, that's my Well, it all begins with you. We know, you know that, I know that. Yeah, right. So it's not really about anybody else doing it. It's about you doing it. And it's about me doing it. And as we do that, we send out that little ripple effect that is causing other people to go, hey, what was, what was those phrase, four phrases I just heard about? Yeah. They'll start to feel it. They'll start to get curious. And it'll just, which is already, it's already happening. Right. It'll seep out there. In fact, when you think about it, 15 years ago, nobody knew these four phrases in a public way. Now there's people all over the planet that are doing these four phrases. Right, right. Wow. So the bottom line, it always comes back to us. 
Here's the law of attraction. We're, we need to shift us in order to create. So this, that is exactly what those four phrases do. They shift Absolutely. us. Yeah, they're not about shifting anybody else, though other, other people may be affected. It's all about you doing the shift inside of yourself. And as a result of that, you return to a place of peace. You return to what I think is where we all want to go, the moment. The moment of the miracle. Too many of us, our minds are running down the road because we're going into the future thinking, oh, that's going to be better. Or we're running backwards going, oh, it was so much better a few years ago or, you know, when I was 10 pounds heavier or lighter or whatever it happens to be. And we're not in this moment. And really, all the spiritual teachers and my big message is that here's the miracle. This is it. Right here. Right now. But we allow ourselves to be wandered off with our mind. Our monkey mind is chasing us and we're following it. And Ho'oponopono is one way to help bring us back to the miracle of now. So with that, you will find that you don't have a need then to watch mainstream media, to watch anything or to read <laughs> alternative news. It's okay to be in the know, but if you're affected by it, that's when you've got to take charge. That's, that's a word for everyone. And that's exactly correct. If for some reason a mainstream news is entertaining to you, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's not entertaining to me at all. <laughs> uh, or you can be at a spiritual place where you can use it as a tool to work on yourself. Th those might be fine because I don't want to dismiss it. It's got its use for the right person at the right time. But for most of the people that read your magazine that are watching this interview, I would say it's a wiser, more spiritually evolved thing is to turn the mainstream news off. Don't feed it and don't let it feed you. So individually we do that, but we are then merging into the collective consciousness, which has an incredible amount of power to really create something magnificent. And let me, can I comment on that? Sure. Because I understand what you're saying, and I understand a lot of people believe that, but we're talking about Ho'oponopono, and Ho'oponopono brings that collective, un, uh, collective consciousness right back to just you. Okay. And so in many ways, and in fact, you asked me what I wanted to promote, and I, I have a new book called Anything is Possible, and it's, I'm tying it in in some sort of way that I think makes sense. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're doing it. I'm a marketing guy. We've got to tie in, you know, here's my commercial coming in right now, and I have this book called Anything is Possible. But the reason anything is possible is that I am the collective. You are the collective. Each person watching is the collective. There's a tiny little danger to think that I'm part of something else which dilutes my own personal power. And where I'm coming from, and the reason anything is possible, seven steps for doing the impossible is something I can write about, is I'm coming from the perception that I am the great something. I am the universe. I'm an embodiment of it. I don't want this to sound like it's an ego trip because that's not what I'm meaning with people. I'm saying you have more power than you ever thought before. And if we think, oh, we have to merge with some other people who believe the same thing in order to get anywhere, then we're going down the wrong road. It's a little bit like Dr. Hulen. He's at that hospital by himself. 
there's nurses and there's other people there, social workers and stuff, but they don't know about Ho'oponopono. They don't know what he's doing. He didn't wait for a group of people to come in and say, oh, we all now have to align and think the same way in order to paint new walls in this hospital. No, he looked at anything is possible. He looked at Ho'oponopono. He looked at it all coming from him and he realized he was the only change that was needed. That's what I'm saying. That's brilliant. You are the only change. I am the only change. Each person watching is the only change. I'm not dismissing doing group intentions and all these things that we know work and there's evidence for it, but I want to empower us even more strategically and multiplied by considering that the great something is actually living through me. So that is a very important message because when we think about a collective consciousness, we're diluting our own power. Yes, that's my that, point. That is, that is so important. Oh, my goodness. And that was the missing link for me, right? Uh-huh. That's what you just said. Yeah, because I've been, for, I've been focusing on something outside of myself when I am the collective consciousness. That is so profound. I'm pausing just for theatrical emphasis in a sense, just just for everybody to absorb it and and to remind myself. I mean, we're human beings, and part of that human wiring in us is to associate with other people, to have a little uh, a group, a little sort of uh, clique, because it helps us feel like we're going to survive. And that's the survival mechanism that's already hardwired in our brain to keep us going. Wonderful. We're already surviving. But now we're transcending. This goes back to why I think we're all here to awaken. And I think what we're doing, especially with magazines like what you're doing and shows like this, where you're bringing in leading edge people and really stretching minds with new concepts and new ideas, you're helping people to awaken. I think we are awakening because of that. And so we can start to walk away from the think of the need of being in a tribe. We don't need to be in a tribe. I understand at certain points it's comforting and it might even be essential to survival depending on where you're at, but we're not cave people anymore. You know, we're living in a place and at a time where magic and miracles are pretty much the norm. Magic and miracles are pretty much the norm at this time period, but we don't all take the moment to look at it. So you're pointing it out, I'm pointing it out, and I'm saying the great something is actually this, uh, this, I can't even find words for how humongous this force is. It is living and experiencing life through me, through you, through each person. And the only limits we put on it are those ones we keep bumping up to that we downloaded from ancestors, from our parents, from the culture, from government, religion, it goes on and on and on and on. But anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Okay. That's book number one. Where's the next one that you just wrote? (laughs) I want to know about that one. (laughs) I just wrote another book that had to do with music. And I have a co-author, Jamie Ventura, is a uh, famous vocal coach. And this book's called Mind Over Music. And it's about using self-help principles and the law of attraction and everything, but to help musicians get into the studio and to get on stage. Because one of the biggest things I discovered is that musicians really self-sabotage. 
most of the creative people actually do that. Authors do that. Artists do that. They have problems with money because they think they need to start. They have problems with procrastination because they want everything to be perfect. And so we created this book to show, look, there's ways to get through this. Once you take care of your, it's mind over music. You take care of your mind. And Jamie came to me to write the book because he saw me do 15 albums in a few years. He saw me go on stage and perform with my band of legends. He saw me perform, or not perform, but practice and study with Melissa Etheridge. And he was baffled. He said, how did you do all of this? And I'm like, mind over music, buddy. Mind over music. You take care of your, your brain in any field. It doesn't have to be music. In any field, you take care of your limiting thoughts, and one of the ways to do it is with Ho'oponopono, and then you're free to accelerate the manifestation of whatever it is you wanted. And in my case, it was music. And that's what this book is about, Mind Over Music. That is brilliant. And so because uh, musicians are the creative, um, they're usually right brain, so they are lacking some of the left brain. So, which is, they're not using the logic, the business logic. Is that correct? Well, I think they're still using both sides. But like most of us, they've been programmed to think in a certain way. Okay. And I did the same thing because I thought, you know, I was homeless, as you know, at one point. I was in poverty for 10 years. During that period, I really wanted to be an author. I had the big dream of writing books and making a difference. But I was butting up against beliefs I didn't even know I had. And they were beliefs like, well, uh, money is evil, so you better keep that away from you. And uh, uh, creative people have to struggle, so make sure I struggle in the dirt. Make sure I really go through the dark night of the soul. Uh, most of the creatives never are recognized during their lifetime, so make sure I die before anything really noteworthy happens. Oh, no. I can go on with all of these, but musicians aren't the only ones that have them. Most of the creative types have them. So they do have their left brain operating and their right brain operating. But like so many of us, they've downloaded information from family, friends, and culture about how it's supposed to be. I was fortunate from, I lived in the public library in Dallas and reading all the self-help books when I was homeless. And I kept coming up about the idea of creating your own reality through your beliefs. And I started to dawn on me that, oh, my beliefs are creating this experience. I, I couldn't even believe that beliefs were that powerful. But the reason I was suffering as an author is I had studied Jack London or his Hemingway and famous authors who deeply influenced me who were dramatic, drunks, alcoholics, suicidal. In both those cases, they died as suicides. That's what I was modeling my life after. Oh my and when I realized, wait a minute, there's probably some authors who are happy productive, um, prolific, published, I can find them and model them and I'd have a different life. I did at that point. And so the, the point of mind over music is the same thing. Become aware of your beliefs. And for people watching, you have to become aware of your beliefs. Somebody struggling with money has a belief about money. Money doesn't have any beliefs about you. You have beliefs about money. And one of the biggest one that's in everybody's unconscious until you unearth it is money is the root of all evil. Everybody just said that. And so if they're thinking, oh, I really want money so I can build my dream and fulfill my mission and create music and write books and open my business, but unconsciously they think it's bad, they're going to push money away. This is why, again, it goes back to life is a wake-up call. 
Life is about awakening. You got to read the books. I still read the books. I read self-help books. I go to self-help seminars. I pay attention to who's making a difference in terms of uh, the hacks of creating spiritual awareness. I meditate. I do my um, my spiritual work. I do my gratitude time every night. I'm working on me. I'm working on me. And I think that's what we all need to do. Work on ourselves. So no matter how successful you are, and you are very successful, I've seen the pictures with you and all these beautiful, gorgeous cars <laughs> and uh, all these uh, guitars and, and uh, horns, saxophones, everything. Right. You've got it all. You've got a beautiful home. So you're telling me, even though you're so successful, you are still walking your talk today. You're doing the work. Thank you. I am, but thank you. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. Uh, I love stuff. I say I'm a big consumer and a big creator. I, I buy and I create and, you know, I got the cycle going. But in many ways, that's all part of the illusion that Buddha and Jung and everybody else talked about. I think we're spiritual beings and material bodies, so it's fun for us to enjoy these things. They're here for our pleasure. But we don't want to be attached to them. We don't want to be addicted to them. We don't want to forget the spiritual because we're so engrossed or hypnotized by the material. It's not about the stuff. What it's about is spirituality. And in many ways, I've often semi-joked that, you know, Buddha and Jesus never saw a Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah. Had they seen them, they might have said, you know what, that's pretty divine. <laughs> they might have seen that was a spiritual experience to see a Rolls Royce. But all kidding aside, it's not about the stuff. It is about spirituality. It is about spiritual awakening. And that's why I still work on me. I'm all about finding out what we're, I'm like the scout who rides ahead on his horse and I find out, oh, this technique works or up ahead on the right, there's this fantastic new thing called Ho'oponopono and I turn around and ride back and say, here's what I discovered and here's what I found when I use it on myself, now go and use it in the masses, go and use it on yourself and see what happens. So I feel I'm a little bit like a scout in life. I'm just, just a couple steps ahead on a fast horse or a fast car. But you're recognizing your power to create because nothing, it seems, stops you. You're, you're still That's going full steam. That's because and anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I, actually, I actually, I'm sorry, what did you say? You're still writing the books. I think it's wonderful. Oh, I have five books in the work right now. I have new music in the works right now. I'm still traveling around the world doing speaking. I have my own television show, 14 episodes that have all been recorded that'll be showing up pretty soon. I'm, people wait, ask, wait, wait, where are we going to see that? Well, probably on Amazon, Amazon or Netflix, one or the okay. other. They, they're going to bidding war kind of a thing, and we'll see that. Uh, my mindset is, well, let me back up. My mindset is I simply follow my passion. And I think each of us can do that. Your passion is with your show and your magazine, for example, and probably things I don't know. My passion is obvious because I promote it, like music and my books and cars and everything else. But each person has a different passion. And somebody's passion might be the best, I don't know, cupcake baker on their block. And they're making cupcakes for Girl Scouts or their church or something like that. I remember I was in Chicago and there was a plumber that came to fix a room I was in. And he seemed like the happiest plumber on the planet. And I thought, he's following his passion. And I want somebody following his passion fixing my plumbing. 
So each of us has something different. So the first thing I do is follow my passion. The second thing is I do have the mindset that anything is possible, which means I rarely doubt anymore. I mean, I did in the beginning. But if a big idea comes to me and I don't know how to create it, I'll have that background belief that is now installed that says anything is possible. I don't know how to do it. I may have to create a way. I may have to find a way. I may have to invent a way. But there's a way. So that mindset, that new belief is there way back in the victim days. I never, I never would have entertained it. That's so good. I would have just said, oh, that's not possible. They're not possible for me. So I think those are a couple of things. And then I have a bag of tricks. And Ho'oponopono is one of the ones I always pull out of my bag. If I do hit a snag, like I'm feeling off or I'm, something bothered me. I mean, I'm in the human experience. There's things that happen. And I'll go to, to Ho'oponopono. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I do it every day. So those are two or three things as a reminder that I do that anybody can do. So when you do the four phases or, or statements, mm -hmm. do you, is your goal to feel better immediately mm. and you just keep on saying mm. it until you do feel better? That's How a great question. My goal is to feel better. My goal is to remove the, the thing, the emotion that is other than feeling happy right now. So in other words, something started me to do it. So maybe I was upset, frustrated, impatient, something was there other than happy. And because of that, I said, oh, let me do Ho'oponopono. So I start saying, okay, I don't know where the impatience came from or frustration, but I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. I'll say it several times, and I am looking for it to either get smaller or to disappear. Okay. I also have a level of faith. I've done this enough. I've written about it in those two books. I've heard so many stories that I know on some level this is making a difference. Let me tell you a powerful story that relates to this. If we have enough time, I sure. can get this to yeah. you. Uh, it's in my book at zero, but I can tell very. I can tell you very quickly. Um, about six years ago, I got a phone call that my mother was dying, and my mother was in the intensive care in the emergency room at a hospital up in Ohio. I was in Texas. I was traveling. They were calling the family in, so I went in. And I saw my mother on you know, life support, basically. And there were three other patients in that same area. And those other three patients died while I was there. Oh my this is how intense this was and how real it was. And as I'm sitting there, boy, am I not feeling happy. I am everything from grief to anger to feeling impotent, like I don't know what to do. And I can't do anything. I'm not a medical doctor. And I got chills thinking about this now because I felt helpless. And my family there is there, and they're all pretty much speechless because we're all in the same boat. We don't know what's going on. And my mother is confused and possibly dead any moment. And all I knew was, I'm going to sit in this chair, and I'm going to look for my peace. And I started saying, Ho'oponopono. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't say it to anybody else. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. Everybody's doing their own thing. They may be doing Ho'oponopono. Probably not. They, they may be praying. They may be just wallowing in their feelings. I did it, and I think I did it for an hour. And about an hour after it, I cannot say I was at 100% peace, but I was lighter. I was more trusting. I had more faith. And I thought, whatever's going to work out, I have to trust, because on an earth level, 
there's nothing else for me to do. Not being a doctor or nurse, I can't prescribe anything, I can't do anything, so I have to surrender, which is a very big spiritual <laughs> place to be. Yeah. Surrender, it's an important spiritual awakening to step into surrender. So I had to surrender. They also sent us home. The next day when we go back, my mom is not only better, she sits up, she comes home, and she stayed at home for the next five years. Wow. Now, she was not 100% healthy for those next five years, but we had five more years with her. Now, in my mind, the only difference in my personal experience was I did Ho'oponopono. I did not do it on her. I did not do it on the doctors. I did not do it on my family. I did it on me. When I could get to a place of peace, I think the peace allowed whatever needed to happen to happen without interference. In this case, five more years of life. This is why we do Ho'oponopono. Not to change anything on the outside, it's to change our perception of what we see on the outside. When we change the inner with these four simple phrases, very often the outer, like in the mental hospital, like in my mom's hospital, it changes. And that, oh, I, I can, wow, I can cry thinking about this. Wow. It is that powerful. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And that's simple. Wow. 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 Oh, goodness. This is wonderful. And this is exactly what everybody has to hear. And, oh, I'm so blessed that you're on the show today. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so we are almost out of time. Dr. Joe, you are just a huge blessing to every single person in this world. I can't tell you how much I adore you. You're real. You're real. And, oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. You know, you're doing the divine's work or the great something's work. So whenever you need something from me, my answer is always yes. So Godspeed to you. Godspeed to your readers, your listeners, everybody watching. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. And please come back again, sir. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.